Welcome to the Good Luck Club podcast. We aim to bring you insights from the world's most successful entrepreneurs and change makers. They will share with you each week what they've learned building their businesses, the good and the bad. There is nothing more interesting than real life stories. Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Luck Club podcast. We're coming at you live from Belsize Park in its heart, the Belsize Park Community Library. I'm so proud to be broadcasting from here today. We believe libraries can be reinvented. They are not just about books. They're a center of knowledge. And that leads me nicely into introducing my guest today, Mark Tilbury. He's a CEO and founder of many companies, which we'll discuss today, and runs Mark Tilbury Coaching Limited. Mark, welcome. Very pleased to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. What Maybe a great venue. Thank you. Yeah, we, we absolutely love it. We're so proud that we're here. Why don't you start off by telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, basically, I'm a self-made businessman, left school very, very early, very few qualifications, if any, to speak of, and uh, made my way in the business world, what I like to call the school of hard knocks, somewhat. Not a lot of help along the way, um, but we got to where I did, and um, it seems to be uh, working very, very well. Well, um, just for my audience that aren't on TikTok, you have 3 million followers last time I looked. Absolutely amazing. And you have a massive fan base out there. So not only have you, uh, of course, conquered the business world, looking back at your CV, which we'll talk during the podcast today, it's quite amazing how you've also managed to connect to the next generation of entrepreneurs and how you're helping them. It's really, really inspiring. So th- yeah, thanks for that. It's quite amazing, is it? Three, 3 million people follow us for this. And it's a uh, you know, how can you comprehend that sort of number? I always think of, you know, 100,000 being Wembley Stadium, and we're talking, you know, so many more times that, 30 times that in yeah. people. I, I can't actually get my head around that. No, it's but, mind-blowing. Um, hopefully we're, we're handing over some information that helps particularly the youngsters of today, you know, just inspires them to think a little bit more than the norm. Totally. Um, certainly somebody at school isn't teaching them. Totally. Well, um, I, I know a lot about your background. I'm, I'm excited to, to introduce you more to our audience because, you know, I, I look at you like a, a, a more successful, more handsome version of me. You know, it's, it's really amazing what you've well, done. I can't argue with the handsome yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, you, uh, you know, you left school the same and no, 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 uh, no help. I feel the same. I left at 15 years old. I, I, no education yeah. and started a business. And so I, I, I love your story because I, I resonate with it. But I know that you've taken a different path. I know we have some different views on things. I'm excited to get into those details and debate some things to help people listening out there that want to start a business or want to know how to grow their business so that's what we're all about and I know that's what you're all about definitely or even just just grow their wealth because you know not not business isn't for everyone of course Mm. and uh, just growing their wealth and understanding how they can do that is also a key so don't want to forget about people that don't want to just start a business because there's two sides there yeah I I couldn't agree more I think that's a, a good distinction well maybe we could start off by just understanding you a little bit more you could tell us how you define success um it's very hard to define success because it's different for different people some people will be saying oh it's making a million pounds some people will be saying it's making 30 million really the money's got nothing to do with it um i would say success is being able to do on a day-to-day business what you want to do so if some buddies of yours say that we've got some tickets to go and play at st george's golf course for argument's sake and you can say yes now the answer i wouldn't want to give is i can't not go because i'm going to lose 200 pound by not working today i would rather be in a situation where I can say yes I can so it's a bit of a out of the matrix sort of thing you're not cutting the nine to five um, and success is not working um, all your weekdays and trading those days and your time just to have the weekend off and when you're only getting two days off you're not really able to recover in two days ready for another week of work so I think success is being able to break out of that norm that we're taught work um, Monday to Friday, have Sunday, uh, Saturday and Sunday off, and um, that's it. I think uh, success has been able to break out of that. Mm. Uh, so many uh, interesting elements to what you're talking about there. I think you're talking about freedom. I think, yeah, you know, ultimately, it's about freedom, yeah. isn't it? And and it's interesting because I think you you break a lot of I would say norms in the psyche of entrepreneurship. First of all, I wouldn't I wouldn't if you ask people they wouldn't say that you would be a success on TikTok, for example. And people would say, oh, it's for young people, you know. And so yeah. so the fact that you've broken that stereotype of of of, of a successful 
uh, entrepreneur on TikTok sharing that knowledge, I think, s- smashes uh, stereotypes. Equally, this point you're talking about here, just sticking into it for a second, a lot of people when they start a business, or and, and this is what we're about, uh, helping people start businesses, the, the entrepreneur journey seems like, well, you'd have no life. You, you certainly can't go play golf because not only could you lose 200 pounds, that day your company could have some serious problems if you're not at the helm, right? So, so it's interesting because I feel like when you start a business and you've done many, that actually it's quite hard to have that time to go play golf, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's basically it's a trade, isn't it? I mean, when I left school at 16, um, I would say I probably worked maybe too hard up to about 30, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, and it can break down your social network, which you really don't want to do because your network, as you know, mm. is your net worth. And trying to build it up again was, for me, very hard. Um, so you can work too hard, but you've got to take opportunities when they when they come up and you've got to be yes rather than no mm. and work out how you can do what you really want to do um i worked for a while probably for the first two or three years seven days a week and i literally mean six in the morning till nine at night seven days i had christmas day off because uh, there's no way i was going to get away with that with the so wife lazy or the family yeah <laughs> but i was still back in on boxing day because we used to have to help people out with their model cars because otherwise we'd have a queue a mile long outside the shop on a the day after boxing day trying to start model engines up so we'd go in shop wasn't actually open but we'd just be there helping them get their their christmas presents working should we say or helping them with them and then i'll go home for a bit of tea mm. <laughs> yeah yeah but again you're, you're mentioning stuff here i think it's important for people out there that are trying to grow their business and wondering why it's not growing you know sometimes it is a question of total dedication isn't it and and getting your family on board i mean what was it like for your family when you say look i'll come back for christmas day but then yeah. boxing day sorry I've got, I've got to get back to the office yeah, I, I think it's quite rough on them really to be honest you don't see it because you're providing for them um, and you, you can see the long-term goal to all of this where sometimes your family can't. That's why family time to me now is so important and obviously, you know, with the TikTok, I work with my son a lot which, you know, brings me great pleasure because, you know, if I didn't have that connection, you know, that, what's it all about? I mean, family ultimately is what it's all about and um, I enjoy my family very much and because we can have more time now, we love to ski together and obviously we like to do the videoing together as well. Sure, yeah. Well, shout out to your son who's in the background filming you right now. Yeah, Curtis Tilbury, he's uh, filming at the moment, doing a little bit of a vlog on this for us. Um, so, yeah, it's very good. He does a very, very good job. Yeah. We all need a Curtis in our lives. Um, I, I guess, uh, you know, you're mentioning their work-life balance to me. I mean, this question comes up a lot in, 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 from our listeners. But how, how, what do you think about work-life balance and this concept of work-life balance? Um, well, up until I, I had a meeting, and it's been on my YouTubes with Richard Branson a few years ago. Um, I, say, I say a few years ago, probably 20 years ago now. And I was very surprised because I didn't expect him to be there. I was teaching his son to fly model helicopters. And um, I arrived at the house and I said, I was surprised to see you here, Richard. You know, it's a, you're a very busy man. He says, I have weekends off for my family. And, you know, that was a point where I probably, well, one of the points that switched me to going, well, actually, you know, family's important, so you, you've got to make that balance. And as you say, it's very hard. Sometimes you've got to commit. You've got to commit to being away for weeks. You've got to commit to three or four weeks of non-stop work. Mm. But as long as you've got a plan ultimately that, yes, Saturday and Sunday or whatever is going to be your, your family time, then, that, then that's great. Mm. One of the things I talk about, I'd be interested in your view on this, is um, you know, purpose in the business that you're working in. So you described there making sure people have a good Christmas, making sure that they could play with their toys. Mm. That's a good motivator, right, to kind yeah. of make your take that time away from your family. This morning, my son said to me, Daddy, let's go to the zoo. Mm. And so, you know, I said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to interview this really interesting entrepreneur and his insights are going to help people. And I think getting that purpose built into your life is something I really believe in. But what, what do you feel about that? Well, it's, it's definitely, um, you've got to have a purpose to what you're doing. And at, at the end of the day, you know, as I always go back to family, you know, your family will dictate that. Um, and as you say, you had to work today because it was all a planned thing. But you know that maybe tomorrow you've got a day off or an afternoon off, which... You know, sometimes for me that's better because I can go and spend time with my family on a weekday when things are less busy, which is great. You know, me and Curtis love going to um, roller coaster parks, so Alton Towers and places like that, Thorpe Park. And, you know, if we can go weekdays, 
game on. No queue. We're not, we're not queuing. No, right. we're not having to buy fast pass tickets. Yeah. So it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I, I guess you know I, I love the way um, you talk about the freedom now of entrepreneurship. But let, let's go back to, to young Mark. You know when you started out. When 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 I mean, first of all, you just mentioned there that you had a realization thanks to Richard Branson, yeah. um, which ha- he has less TikTok followers than you, by the way. So I, oh, I'm sure I he'll say. be interviewing you <laughs> not not too long from now. But um, but you know how, how how old were you when you had that realization? Um, I suppose about 30. I mean, I, I've had two big realisations. That was one. And then earlier, I was probably working, as I say, for about three years flat out. And uh, I actually got shingles, which is not a very nice thing. It's uh, related to chicken pox. And, um, you know, you can feel right deep and gone pretty much so I went to the doctors and he said you know you've got to take time off you know you're obviously stressed I said no I'm not stressed he said well what was your working week I said well I work every day except Tuesday he said what would you do on Tuesday I said well I go to the wholesalers and pick up stock and do little odd jobs he said so you're working seven days a week I said yeah I am and that really was the realization he said right you've got to take some time off go on a holiday I went oh that'd be a new sensation because we don't do those so I booked two weeks skiing with a friend of mine and uh, never really looked back never done it before and it's one of my loves now so it's great it's interesting you mentioned as well there about like not knowing you were stressed I think this is a common problem Mm. for a lot of people out there that are working hard and they don't realise they're actually tired. How, how how do you if you were to give some advice? You know, you, you don't want to get shingles to have to and go no. see a doctor to realise it, right? Yeah. I mean, do do you think now you must have a, an inbuilt mechanism for knowing if you're working too hard? How? how? Um, well, I, I, it's very hard to say if you know you're working too hard. I mean, during lockdown. I went back to my old routine of 6am in the shop um, and at the business till 9 at night. I, I did have cut off at 9, there was no way I was working later than that, but I did start early. Now during that lockdown time, uh, we got behind by five days on our dispatch and we were still working all those hours. So after that time is when you know that you were under stress, not during it. Um, and it's quite um, quite an impact actually, quite surprising, you know, with obviously you get headaches and bits and pieces it's just one of those things um but it's only after the effect after the act that you you feel that you were under the stress not really during um so sometimes it's worth taking a step back and that's why now i'd always say try and take at least a day off a week at least i know it's hard particularly when you're starting out but it's great for keeping your social network going great for keeping your family together and even if it's exercise you know as i say i I play golf, I enjoy golf, it's a good walk and you know it keeps me fit or relatively anyway um, and I think that's very important it's a, it's a good lesson to learn as a, as a business and when you're in business there's always something to do, always you know. so the, the, the excuse that I've got this to do, I've got that to do, well you'll still have that to do on Monday morning or Tuesday morning or whatever the day happens to be so you know, take that day that day can mean when you come back you can be so much better at that particular job anyway so time out is good without a doubt, you, know, you can work too hard I think without saying too much I think most people don't work hard enough though you know they they think overnight success is what they're after but the real picture is you know overnight success generally takes about two to three years to actually happen but of course people don't see that they only see the glossed over uh, image of how well someone's done and how quickly they've been recognized or seen I couldn't agree more. It's a very interesting balancing act between working hard when you need to and then realising that you don't need to and taking some time out. And it's funny because I spent quite a lot of time living in Hong Kong and and in China there's actually like a, 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 you get like an award if you don't have a holiday. It's almost like a badge of honour that you've Mm. not had a day off in five years, someone said to me once, I've been working so hard on my business. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel a lot of time when you have time out, actually it's when you have your best ideas for businesses and, and for yeah, the business. I, I would say so. I mean, some of the factories that I do business with in China, um, their dormitories for their work guys is right next to the factories. It's fairly typical of China. Um, so what they'll do is they'll work as you said, every single day. Um, and they may well stop at five, but that's just to have dinner, a little nap, and they'll go back in the evening. And they will work seven days a week. And then when it comes to Chinese New Year, they'll go back to their families. Obviously, they've been ferrying the money back. They'll see their kids for the first time. And then these business owners out there wonder why half of them never come back because they're probably working them too hard. They'd be much better to say, no, sorry. Saturday, Sunday or Monday, whatever the day is, you have that off and they'll have a much better workforce because of it and a returning workforce because it 
definitely cost me problems with quality control after Chinese New Year because you've got a 50% new staff there and that's very hard to get over to them how to build the product, make the product exactly how you want it. Mm. You're getting into, uh, you know, I think another important area which is kind of how you treat your people and I think that ultimately can end up, customers can feel it when they hold the product in, in a bizarre yeah. twist, right? The energy yeah. of how you've treated your people um, it really makes a difference. Plus, frankly, it's more pleasurable for you as the business owner, right? If, if, yeah. if, life, if you treat your staff well, then it's more like a family and, mm. and it's more fun, right? Well, I don't like to see myself as the boss. I mean, ultimately, when push comes to shove, it's my fault, <laughs> whatever goes wrong. Um, but we certainly work more as a team. I mean, we have a, you know, a fair number of employees. Um, but no one, I don't think, just comes to work to get their money. I think most people come to, you know, within my business to make the business better and therefore they benefit from that. I benefit from it and we all work together and I wouldn't expect to ask any of my staff to do a job I wouldn't be prepared to do myself or have done myself so I think that that's quite nice so there's no disconnect between the so-called boss and the guys that are working on the shop floor or producing the products or whatever it happens to be. I think that's an art. I think it's not easy. <laughs> I to, to, well, I don't think it's easy. And I know, again, a lot of our listeners um, that have a lot of problems managing people. I know people that are actually scared to hire people because they find it hard to manage people's expectations. You know, yeah. more holiday, more money, um, especially right now, even even more stressful trying to make sure that those people are looked after while their own businesses are often in trouble. It's, it's a really difficult balance to get, yeah, isn't you, it? Yeah, you've got to keep people happy. And also another tip I learned a long time ago is you, you say, you know, when, when I'm visiting factories or other businesses I go to, you try and say hello to everyone, be friendly to everyone, because the guy who's making the little widget at the moment may be running that business at some point, and he'll remember if you were nice to him or not. And we, I, I always try to go around everyone and say, how are you doing, how's today, good a little bit more difficult in china obviously but i still like to do that i like that hands-on approach and if we went to any of the factories i deal with the, the retained workforce would know me you know when i come in and it's it's quite emotional actually it's like oh mr mark <laughs> so it's very nice and i try and keep that connection with my suppliers but also with my own group yeah and it's, it's good fun you're highlighting another uh, absolutely vital point i think that sometimes and being nice to people can actually uh, bring pleasure back to you, you know, and, and that kindness piece is so overlooked in business. I mean, in business, we always hear this line, got to tread on people to get ahead, right? But oh, what, you, definitely what, not. <laughs> what you just described there to me is really relationships with your supplier. Like one day, they could be your client. Yeah. Right? And I think people overlook that when they're trying to push them down on price or, 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 yeah. or treat them badly in, in any way. Well, so. whenever you're negotiating, you know, people seem to think that when you're in business, you've got to knock the hell out of the person you're buying from. I mean, the, the simple fact is, if you're going back for more goods at some point, you know, you've both got to be happy with that negotiation. It's no good you walking away with a great big smile on your face and your supplier crying because you're not going to get any more product from him. He's going to go out of business. You've both got to be, you know, a good negotiation is where both people are happy with the outcome and um, that's why I try and hit you know there are differences to that of course if someone's having a closing down sale you know they're finished and they're going obviously you want to buy at the best price you can and make the most profit you can Um, but on an ongoing business relationship you've really got to strike a good balance you know that's uh, to me that's really important I've got um, I've even got friends that are finished in business now and I, I still talk with them, still Skype with them and have a chat from time to time. And when I go to China now, quite often it's visiting, you know, three or four of the ex-factory owners I used to do business with. You know, and that's just evening. So I've got a social life now in China. Whereas when I first started going, it's almost like the lifeblood's drained out of you. It's such hard work and, you know, full on all the time. But now you, when you've got a social network, that's where your stress goes. So if an evening you can visit friends that you haven't seen for a year shoot some pole or whatever it happens to be fantastic it's really nice relationships now I, I i'm i'm suddenly thinking about being a you know an advertiser for the chinese manufacturing cycle if you have a good relationship with china and the china manufacturing owners mm. that trust can build and you can do amazing things yeah. i know talia who, who who works on the show here uh, her partner is is looking to make stuff in china and there's a big fear that oh, i make something in china they're going to copy it mm. or i make something in china and it will be rubbish yeah. and but you know what you're describing i think and is, is lesson for anyone out there looking to manufacture if you build a relationship up with yeah. people out there they become friends 
yeah. and then and friends will work hard to not let you down and that's yeah. that's the thing i think a lot of people forget when they're just pinging some factory in china saying make this for me well, and they this wonder is the problem isn't it they want to do it all over the internet and i can understand at the moment they might not want to visit because of the pandemic and everything that's well, gone I think china's on. safer than anywhere well, else in the world right prob- now probably <laughs> is um so there are concerns but you know if you go out there and you literally press the flesh you know there's a connection straight away without a doubt if you're putting emails back and forth you can't moan that somebody else is now selling a similar product to you you know you've got to get that loyalty um and we do that in two ways one is to build a loyalty of trust um, but also now we we actually uh, manufacture the the tooling to make our product so that that locks it down to us so if someone else wants to make it they've literally got to license it out of our tools which works for us very well and, and when we're mentioning your your business a few times to the audience here, how did this start, Mark? How did, I know I know I know the story because I've I've watched you on TikTok talk about how you had a boss, he was a bully, you told him to stuff it, and you and you went and did your own business. But but what about the nuance after that? How did you get this idea to, and maybe tell the audience what your well, business does? To, to be honest, I didn't tell my boss to stuff it. To be perfectly honest, well, that's my version. And, of it, yeah, right? and and what what is quite interesting, uh, I'm still friends with my boss from that company. In fact, he just bought a drone from me just recently, and I spent quite a few evenings around there flying it because he didn't have anything to do with uh, lockdown going on the business is finished now um, but he's retired it was actually the foreman that was the 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 one that was the problem and I'm not sure what that is I mean at the time I just thought it was a bit picking on me but maybe you could see that I was aiming towards his job or whatever it happened to be there could be just multiple reasons I've never been able to ask him um, often so, with bullying it's that something to do with them personally anyway right? yeah I think so you know all in all he's a nice chap but it was just a little bit too much and you have to make that step and the reason I went into radio control models is because as a, as a child my dad did it and uh, he used to make all sorts of wonderful he still does you know wonderful planes out of Balsawood and we'd go to the flying field and see something that's taken three four months to build that looks like an absolute work of art and it flies you know there's quite an inspirational thing there and I started competing in uh, radio control competitions at about 10 years old uh, control line which is flying on the wires I won my first competition when I was about seven at that and uh, they were so annoyed, the club. They changed the rules for the following year. <laughs> so I couldn't win it after that because my model wasn't fast enough. But I sort of found a way round um, the, the current rules. And sometimes that's, that's a trait from early on about thinking outside of the box. I mean, with that particular competition, you had a limited amount of fuel. Now, I couldn't afford the fast engines they were using. So my model was a lot slower. But they had to do a pit stop. What I did, I used a model which was, as I say, a lot slower... I didn't need a pit stop and I'd worked it out because I've been flying on the school field how long it took me to do the number of laps required so it's, it's just sometimes it's just thinking a little bit differently isn't it and disrupting even back then <laughs> I love it and, I, and again another important lesson there you know like this line between breaking the rules and following the rules of course yeah yeah and exactly. do, do you think there's how do you know when when you shouldn't break a rule and when that rule's absolutely designed to be broken um, i think if, if you've got a written rule it's a written rule you know yeah you know, if you're competing on a level playing field and it's a written rule then that's the case i mean in this particular instance you know they were running fast engines that needed a lot of fuel your only restriction on the class was the amount of fuel you could carry so if you can run something that takes less Exactly that. And I think Toyota, was it Toyota? Peugeot did it with the 24-hour Le Mans because they brought in diesels and it's the same thing. You know, the diesel motors would run longer on the amount of fuel they had. So they ended up winning Le Mans for many years. So it's a, it's a similar thing, really. Same with the Formula One, but now they seem to regulate everything so that no one can bend the rules and make their yeah, cars faster. I, I think everything's pretty heavily regulated. I, I used to race in, um, in um, car racing as well, and there's lots and lots of rules there. And there's lots of things you could do that you knew you could get away with if you wanted to, but that's not what I do. I, I'm all about you know looking at the rule book. Most people never even re- read a rule book. So if there is one, you know, it doesn't matter if it's golf, if it's car racing, whatever, read the rule book. Mm. If you read the rules, you understand how everything works and you can go, well, actually, I'm coming at this at a new angle. You know, there's a different way to that and I'm allowed to do it. Get on with it. <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's funny because I always tell people, don't bother reading the rules. Just just get on with it. Start something. That's how you learn. But actually, your point's very valid. I think if you learn the rules, you understand the parameters that you're meant to work with. Exactly. And that. you can figure out how to how to f- make it work outside the outside the lines. right? Exactly, so that's, yeah. 
really good advice. I mean, it can work against you because the current thing I'm competing in, which is radio control racing, um, I looked at the rules for that, as I always do, changed quite a lot after a really successful weekend. First weekend doing it, placed third, which is pretty good on this racing, never done it before. And um, so I looked at the rules, I thought, oh, I can make the tailplane smaller, I can do this, I can do that. Oh, next time I went, the models hardly flew, so uh, that you can go too far. That's another good point. You know, sometimes um, you, I, I always think you have to ask if other people are actually reading the rules. You know, exactly. Not that I want to get political, but I don't think Trump is following the rules. So can you really win if he's not following the rules? Well, right? I guess so, not. So that's the other side of it, isn't it? Yeah. Your competitor following the rules. Yeah. Right? Do, do you think, I mean, your, your business, you, you're touching on what it is there, but you know, when you started it, so you had this hobby, yeah. which I think is actually a great way to start a business. Yeah. You had this thing that you loved that you did with your father and then, then then how did that turn into a business how did you start it well everyone says obviously it's, it's um, a passion-led business but I, I don't really believe that I mean I, I would have done a business of some sort anyway and you couldn't say you know what I do now with the TikTok and the YouTube is is passion through knowing aeroplanes and models so you know it's a different angle so you can pivot to whatever you want to do so I think that the thing was I always differentiated between flying the models and enjoying myself operating them and competing all over the world, literally all over the world with helicopters. And I could distinguish the difference between that and actually physically being in business. But the nice thing with the business I was in, uh, or still in, uh, is that I really enjoy the, the, the products and using the products. So that's a win-win. But it doesn't mean that, you know, if that something's your passion and you lead, to, you know, follow your passion, that that's going to be a living for you. You've got to try and make sure that uh, it, it's a business and it's going to stand the test of time. Well, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that, you know, you're, you're not just about people starting businesses, you're about people having financial independence, I guess. Yeah. So how, how do you marry the two? I mean, my view is it's very hard in a job, for example, to scale up to a point where you have freedom. Often you're selling time. I think you should be buying time. Mm. But wh- what's your advice around that? Well, my advice around it is, you know, work, work hard. But um, initially, you've got to look at when you're leaving school, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I feel a, a lot of youngsters automatically go into university. Now, that could be pressure from parents, pressure from peers, pressure from the school, whatever it happens to be. If 50% of those people didn't go to university these days that don't need to go, that are just having three, four years off, racking up God knows how much in bills and debt you know those are those are the future entrepreneurs and I I often feel they're going to university and having that beaten out of them I mean let's face it when we're kids you know if you've got hopes and dreams how many times do your parents go oh you know be realistic oh you can't do that you know you've got to get a proper job you know that's constant from the time you're born through to leaving school because you get it at school and then going to university if you really don't know what you want to do at university take a year off at least do a dozen different jobs see what you really like see what's you what how you click and then from that point on you can decide if you need to go or if you don't need to go if you don't need to go get on out there get yourself a job start putting some money by and we always go on about a backup fund it's so important just get a backup fund you know that's about you know three to four months of your living expenses you know if you've got that cushion you know the world's your oyster from that stage on you get a little bit more you can risk that and once you can start risking a little bit and it is pretty low risk when you're young because if you lose it you've got plenty of time to make it back but the nice thing is it will build and build and build and build over time and the earlier you start the more freedom you can create for yourself that's my belief i love it and i I couldn't agree more i hope people are taking notes what age did you start your first business um i was 20 when you say business as in uh model world that was started when i was 20 yeah so you had 10 years of like just heads down as I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, pretty much. I, I'd say 10 to 12 years of pretty major head down. I'd say three years of mental head down and then the rest sort of like not as heads down, but to, I think to most people you think, blimey, that's, that's too much work. You know, so it's quite, it's quite a long time, certainly. Did you, did you know you were an entrepreneur from a young age? Do you, and do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? One of my favourite questions was... Right, one. I think... Probably 40% of people could be entrepreneurs. And that goes back to what we answered just now. You know, it's beaten out of people. Um, So you've got the people it's beaten out of. So that's 
quite a lot, but let's call it 10%. You've got 20% now going to university, so they're definitely going to have it beaten out of them because they're going for a high-profile job. And then you've got that 10% maybe left. So I think the figures for you know entrepreneurs are distorted a little bit. There's a lot more out there until it's beaten out of them. Um, and I think it's, it's in you to do it. Um, so if you're one of those 10%, you've then got to discover it's in you to do it. And I was doing all sorts of things, selling things when I was a kid. I mean, I used to go fishing at Dover. We used to catch so many mackerel. It was unbelievable. You know, 200 plus mackerel. I don't know if you can even do that nowadays, you know, that, that sort of volume. And that would be in a couple of hours. We'd put them into the ice boxes, take them back. I had this shopping trolley and I used to put a, a green mat in the bottom, like the grass mat, bit of ice, all the fish. I used to walk around the estate selling fish, you know. So not only did I go out and do what I enjoyed doing, I had a product I could sell. Now, the first lot was a disaster. We were selling 10 fish for a pound. No one wanted it. So I had to rethink the whole business plan. So we cut it down to five fish for a pound. I couldn't get enough of them. It was amazing. But people just didn't want 10 fish hanging around. It's reframing, you're talking about there, right? Exactly, it's just about reframing yeah. the proposition. Yeah, and it worked very, very well. So it was actually me and a, a good friend of mine who I'm still friends with. Um, we just used to go around and sell these fish. Uh, again, I don't know if people would accept that nowadays, but... Yeah, when you look back, it was only, what, 35, 40 years ago. You know, it's not not actually that far ago. I think it's very <laughs> relevant today as well. I mean, what you're also talking about there is, is practicing your craft, I mean, mm. get, getting out there and trying. But it, it really worries me that 40% of people, and I, I actually agree with you, that, that number is arbitrary, but I, I actually feel like that's a really quite hammer nail on the head yeah thing there's a there, lot more than you would think I, you a know. lot and a yeah. lot of people don't even realize it. you said it yeah. earlier you're trapped in the matrix or watch yeah, out exactly you know like how, how to wake people up that's part of the reason i'm doing this podcast yeah. show is in the hope that people realize that you know if, if we can do it anyone can do it mm. you know like it's possible to do it it's just a question of mindset right yeah exactly that. and understanding what you want to do and also understanding the subject of what you want to do i mean we've just done this video on amazon fba and to start with i was looking at it you know, that's all a bit of a fact. Amazon know what they're doing. They're going to cream a lot off. Mm. But actually, it's opened my eyes. And I've talked to a young guy. He's only 19. And he's really, really switched on. Definitely going to be a multimillionaire, without a doubt. You know, you look at him and go, that's a bit of me there, you know. And uh, he's working hard. So it's just discovering what you want to do. But also that the possibilities are there. You know, you know, they are there. And they're there more now, particularly, you know, through lockdown and that. You might not have that job to just go into and be comfortable and the comfortable side of it is the problem you know you sit in that job you think oh right yeah not too bad not too bad i'll buy myself a house great mortgage trap that's it that's almost game over because then it's the kids and the family and so on and so on so you know it's, it's understanding that early enough to make a difference once you understand that you can make that difference and you're away it's interesting because I, I you know watching your stuff which i absolutely love i'm a big fan uh, as I mentioned off camera, there's a, there's a, you know, I thought we were going to disagree on this point you just mentioned oh, because yeah. the more, no, the mortgage <laughs> piece, you just, you just mentioned there, the mortgage trap. I, yeah. I have a big fear for young people around this, but yeah, I know there's, you do. <laughs> there's an instinct for people to, to get a mortgage when they're young. Yeah. And, and as you know, from my content, I, I really believe try to keep yourself free yeah. uh, until you've discovered what it is you love to do. If you love what you do and then you've got the money to get a mortgage, then so be yeah. it. But part of your financial freedom pitch, which I also can understand is, you know, leverage the mortgage, leverage yeah. the, the low cost cost of borrowing money yeah maybe you could elaborate on that well particularly at the moment i mean interest rates are traditionally well they're lower than they've ever been um and obviously it's a good time to lock into a, a low interest mortgage and if you can buy a property you know let's face it if you're at home you can sponge off your parents can't you i mean my son does you know why he not lo he loves living at home gets yeah, all his he was up at five this morning coming with you to <laughs> film but you know i'm sure he's sponging yeah and he's got he's got all his meals cooked for him he's got all his washing done yeah absolutely fantastic but if he can then also buy himself a little house or sorry or an apartment you know he can rent that out you haven't got to buy a house to go and move into mm, you know and totally. if, if you buy it rent it out yeah, it's covering your mortgage pretty much, and you're starting to grow that wealth. And uh, so, I know you're a, a bit not in the buying houses sort of mode, but I've always been in the mode to get the property, um, and and you're you've secured another step on the ladder. But um, you're certainly right in don't do it if you can't afford to do it, because there are lots of hidden traps in buying property. I mean, sure as sure, 
you know, something's going to go wrong. If you're not going to buy it for seven years or more, don't bother. You might as well rent. Um, but certainly, um, th- there's a lot more in the way of bills, rates people forget about. They forget about so many different things. Probably maintenance um, costs. Yeah, ma- there's always going to be maintenance if you own a place. Whereas, obviously, if you rent, you don't. The, the problem with people that rent, I would say, is they don't put away that deposit. Now, if you're going to rent, at least put away the deposit you would have used if you'd have bought. And at least then that's starting to earn you money. Get it compounded. You know, and, exactly. Yeah, and you can probably. offset, you know, um, what you would have um, gained by buying a house. But I don't think people do that. And it's this paycheck to paycheck mentality. That's, that's the thing that you've got to break. I, I, you know, again, I think the nuance of this um, get a mortgage, buy a property thing is very important. But I worry that a large percentage of the 40% have got themselves in a monthly cost, fixed cost situation yeah. where if they want to do their own business, they don't have the deposit because they put it into a house. Equally, they've got that fixed cost. With rent, you can go up and down. I mean, I lived yeah. in my office for the first year of my yeah. company. I'm sure you've got some story not dissimilar <laughs> yeah, yeah, at some course, point, yeah. right? So, and, and if we'd had a mortgage in a home, somehow that's a lot harder to do that. But what you're talking about is owning property and renting it out. I think that's actually mm. a completely different point and actually a kind of business all on its own. Yeah, without and, and, a doubt. And, yeah, and, I mean, and good point, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of London here. If we want to buy a property, I mean, it's going to absolutely do me in, isn't it? It's, it well, maybe not myself. You can but, afford it. Yeah, but, but obviously if you're starting afresh, you know, you, you hear it all the time. Well, I can't afford to buy a place you know it's just impossible but it's not impossible to buy a place somewhere you know and somewhere let's say it's next to a university in canterbury for example you know you've got um student rent absolutely pretty much guaranteed year round year round year round so you haven't got to live in the property you buy for sure you know it is a little business and it's going to eventually give you a nice passive income which you know, at the end of the day, it's what it's all about. You know, if you can't earn enough in your nine-to-five job, you've got to have some more money coming in from elsewhere, and that's what gives you the money to be able to invest. It's, it, we're talking a, a bit about money here, and, uh, you know, on both of our profiles, we've got multi-millionaires, self-made. And it's interesting because, um, you know, the feedback I get is, first of all, there's no such thing as self-made. We've all, we've all had some help, right? Yeah. Um, the, other, the other point I think is interesting is this whole concept of, like, you do not seem like someone that's quite let's say, um, arrogant about money. You're very humble and very kind of down-to-earth and real. You work very hard even today. And so, you know, this whole concept of putting it forward as multi-millionaire, I feel like a lot of young people want to hear it, though. Mm. That's kind of the odd thing, isn't it? Because I didn't have it on my bio at the beginning. I think my attraction was less. When you've kind of can prove that you've somehow had success, it seems like money is still the measure of success for young people. What what do you think? Uh, I think it's still the measure of success for young people, but it shouldn't be. You know, at the end of the day, I, I like to buy what I like to buy i don't buy anything to flex i don't think you'll find in any of my videos that we flex at all that's not not what i'm about so you know it's um it's a shame it's money related but of course money does buy you freedom doesn't it so i think they look at it from that side of things so you know you've got to be millions and millions and millions you haven't i mean i've got a friend that's probably worth three or four million he don't need it he he lives off grid somewhere in north wales now i haven't visited him since he's moved there because he hasn't even got hot water so i mean he really doesn't need that amount of money but he's still successful because he wakes up every morning does whatever he wants to do exactly whatever he wants to do you know he's not governed by anything and there's enough money in the bank to to obviously fund that but you don't need it. It's quite amazing, and really. The so, irony is you don't need to be a multi-millionaire to have that exact mindset. No, right? I mean, it's. Um, I, I know from my own personal business experience that, you know, I made lots of money but d- didn't think I was successful yet because mm. I wasn't on the front of Forbes as, you know, <laughs> one of the richest people working out of Asia. You know, somehow your measure of success can get distorted if you mm. focus too much on money. And most of those people on the front of Forbes, I mean, are they on there through merit or they well, bought, bought their picture onto the front exactly. of Forbes? You know, you, you don't know. You, you, everyone's seeing a distorted picture of reality. You right. know, you, they don't see the day-to-day how things really are. Um, and, you know, I, I love my work. I still love going to work and helping people. I get a lot of pleasure when I happen to be in the shop and I, I do a sale and the, the customer takes my advice, you know. And, you know, we could have someone coming out, I've got a £1,000 to spend on X, Y, Z. And I'll say, well, that's great, but you don't need to spend all that yet because you've got the perfect amount of money in £500 to get the perfect package for you. And it's this and it's this and it's this and it's this. And I love that. You know, if he then turns around and says, no, I'm going to spend a thousand, I want that, 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 I wouldn't actually get as much pleasure because 
he's bought the wrong thing, he's not going to enjoy it as much as he would, and we're all about the customer enjoying their experience, and then they'll come back for more. You know, that's uh, definitely a better way to be. I, I love the way you explain things, and, and one of the important elements of what you're talking about, I want the audience to take this away, right? I think what you just described to me there is you enjoy what you do so much that mm. the money comes Right, the passion for helping that customer enjoy the experience of buying one of your products is actually what drives you. Yeah, it's great. And if you, people can great. find that, you know, money will come. And frankly, even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because yeah, yeah. you're going to enjoy your day-to-day, right? Yeah, and when I go to a model flying field and I see half a dozen of the aeroplanes I've designed at that club and it's more than 50% or, um, you know, one of the BBC <laughs> programmes does a programme with your models flying on it. You know, oh, that's, that's my, I've done that. That's my creation. You know, it, it's fantastic. Totally. It makes you feel so, so good. Totally. You know, it's brilliant. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Well, you know, we're coming at, uh, at this broadcast today from the library, as I mentioned at the beginning the broadcast mm. and I put up on the wall some of the pictures from a comic book business that we launched that was a complete failure Oops. but I absolutely love holding the product absolutely love it I lost mm. a million pounds oh, on dear. that business but I still love it because yeah. like you're describing and I want the audience to grasp the energy of yeah. this point that if you enjoy your day to day and you build something you're proud of as you said mm. 50% of the planes at this fair are yours mm. the BBC is talking about it. Yeah. That, that is success right yeah. and I think there's a, a, there's a saying that goes something like um, do what you enjoy which is slightly wrong I think you should enjoy what you do I know it's the same words but it's in quite a contrast in the ways of saying it if you can enjoy what you do then you're going to be successful as I say whether that's in monetary terms whether that's in life experience you know if you enjoy what you do do you can go and enjoy it if you do what you enjoy quite soon you're not going to be enjoying what you enjoy doing so it, it, you, you've got to enjoy every day if you can we're not here for long are we so yeah. enjoy every day you can I t- I, absolutely wonderful message we should make some t-shirts after about that and <laughs> oh, that uh, might be on my merch you never know oh uh, yeah there probably is it probably should be yeah but um but i actually just you know talking a, a moment there about merch and and, and money and, and all these things yeah. um you know I, I guess there's a lot of cynics out there that, that see that you're helping for free yeah. i'm also doing the same by the yeah. way and i and so i can talk about this i guess with a little bit behind the scenes yeah. knowledge that people don't believe that that's the case they no. believe that you're after something what do you think about this this um, well, what struck me, I mean, myself and my son, when we go skiing, we have a table similar size to this. You're in a nice little chalet, you're all having dinner. And then people start asking for advice, and it, it's really quite strange. And my son said to me, look, you know, you, you've got all this information and all this knowledge, and we're not really sharing it with many. You know, We can share with the many rather than with the few. So that was sort of a bit of the, the thing that tripped this to, to start. Um, and the problem is, and what we found on a lot of the messages was, oh, this is really great because I've got no one to, to look up to or to inspire or to ask questions of. And that's something I took for granted when I was young. I had a really good guy, again, in the model club. And that's why it's good to be part of a society because you can meet lots of people. And he was a self-made man. And he would give me snippets of information. It was almost like a drip feed. It was amazing. He didn't know he was mentoring me. I didn't. I didn't know. He didn't know. You know, it was just a real good relationship where he'll just drop me snippets of information. And youngsters don't seem to have that now. So that's what drives me. You know, we don't make any money. We, we've got a few adverts on the YouTube. Now, there's two reasons for that. One is equipment does cost money, so I can't have it costing me. Um, but you won't get pushed if you don't have the adverts on YouTube. So, you know, you've got to get to that status, put a few adverts on, and then YouTube will get it out to more people. Um, but, no, there's no, there's no merchandise. You know, we're, we're doing it because we enjoy doing it. And referring back to what we said before, it gives me a buzz and gives me enjoyment. You know, you can't buy that. And, and you're good at it. It should be a government service, you know, <laughs> it, 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 helping people right now who you know are out there unemployed, can't get a job coming out of university. I actually think it's really crucial right now that we help people. Well, I help. the government are broke, and I'm currently free. So right, well, that's it. Yeah. So so, uh, but but it's an interesting point about this, you know, earning money thing. Now, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to lose my listeners on this because like, we're talking about coming out the other side where you've got financial freedom. And I know mm. often when I say to people, you know, don't worry about money. You know, I I, I had no money at 15 years old. Yeah. My first 
13 companies I started with no money at all. Yeah. You know, money is not the barrier to starting a business. It is mindset. Yeah. But I, I do feel like, you know, it, once you get to the other side, you realize even more so how unimportant money is. It mm. can't buy you health. No. It can't buy you a relationship with your son. Yeah. It can't it can't buy anything other no. than time, right? So, exactly so yeah. So I, but I do wonder if um, you know, there's the world's got a bit cynical. And I and I wonder, you know, we've been just talking about it now, just mm. bring it to the surface that there are people out there that are willing to help you. I think you're one of them, Mark. I, yeah. I, I well, watch your content. But, what but, but what's wrong with making money, however? You know, I, I think it's actually your point there about costing you yeah. money, the camera cost and all yeah. that. I actually think there's nothing wrong with YouTube ads and, and, and income coming in to help further boost your message uh, out there. I, I feel exactly like there's that. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you can earn from it. But, you know, you, <laughs> there's too many out there that are, earning their living from doing this sort of thing that's where the cynical stuff comes from i mean if you've got um, a guru out there who's self-appointed and you dig a little bit deeper and you find well he's made no money from anything he's never had a business you know he's he's surviving on all these courses he's selling which aren't actually teaching you very much well that, that, that's the people you should be sceptical of. I mean, anyone could look at my backstory. You know, it's true. Everything about me is true. Everything we say is true. And I still work within my businesses. I haven't gone, oh, I know what we do. We'll sideline those, cash in, and then we'll try and make some money from coaching people. That's not what it's all about. Absolutely 100%. You know, I still enjoy my work. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy getting the messages back when people say, you've changed my life because, you know, all I... Well, this is why I believe on a lot of people. They know what they want to do. They've got the capability of doing what they want to do. They just need that reassuring, go on, there you go, mate. Mm. And wow, they found it. They've picked it up and they've realised that they've got that spirit in them to, to make a success. Mm. And we get those messages back. I mean, we've been doing this for about five, six months. And every day we get new messages back. I've said this story before. I've got a chap in Nigeria. You know, how do I reach someone in Nigeria from the UK? And he sent me um, a note saying he didn't know what to do. He'd saved up $100, which is not much, Mr. Mark. You know, but I've, I've saved it. And obviously it's lots to him, ever such a lot out there. He said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, when I was a youngster, people used to go door to door selling essentials. I said, now I would say in an up and coming area that you've got there, that could be really good. He bought himself like a, um, they used to have at the cinemas, you know, for the ice cream made himself one of those up, loaded it up, sent me a picture and he'd got in there toothpaste, he'd got shampoo, he'd got cleaning cloths, all this sort of essential stuff. He said, this is my second lot of stock, Mr Mark. I, I'm Thank you so much, I'm doing so well. It's my shop. And how brilliant is that? Oh, He's the, not going to stop at that, is he? The butterfly effect could literally be that one person then becomes president of that country and then, you know, you helps never know, millions you? of people out of poverty. <laughs> you know, it, it is it is, it is, is meaningful. Yeah. And I mean, this is another it's side of it. It's emotional, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I mean, it is. And, and I think it's actually, you know, a big driver. And I guess, um, you know, the, the whole balancing act of like capitalism versus, you know, just giving back and helping. Mm. It's really hard yeah. balance to get. But I, I, do, I do love the story and I do love the point. I think as well, the other thing that's interesting, and you know, you should be very proud of the following you've built up on your social channels and you've worked hard and given a lot to, mm. to do that. But equally, I think people measure themselves by how many followers they've got. I mean, even for me, my last video had 2,000 views and someone said to me, oh, your video only had 2,000 views. But we know we helped nine people start mm. a business out of yeah. those 2,000 views. Yeah. And that's meaningful. That's the kick, and, isn't and it? So I, whether or, well, I could pay someone you know, in, in, in some faraway land to send millions of views our way yeah. via some farming system on the dark web yeah. you know but that's not real no. and that's not what matters right so no. for a lot of young people who will look at your following yep. and say wow you know this important message right well yeah and I, I don't really get the following as i said to you before to comprehend the number of people that are following is it, it's impossible to do i mean my son keeps saying to me you know like you've got to comprehend this this is lots of people and i said well that's good it's lots of people that we're reaching and and that's great but i'm not going to measure my day-to-day -day success on how many people are following me you know we're uh, I can enjoy my life in lots of other ways than that. That's true. Well, what I find interesting about the TikTok algorithm in particular is um, your haters can make you popular. 
Uh, yeah, everyone can make you popular, yeah. can't they? I mean, there's lots of different ways to, to put your popularity up. It's interesting, though, because actually when people make negative comments about yeah. you, ironically, that helps the algorithm yes, push your message more. And then exactly they get it again that. because they made a comment on your post. So yeah, you can't argue with them. Though. I mean, the trouble with arguing with the so-called hate, I mean, we get very, very few. It's absolutely amazing, really. But we made the decision, you know, we don't need to fight that battle. You know, it's a battle you could possibly win, but it's not a war that you'll win. You know, it's no point. I have know. seen you fight one and I loved it by yeah, the way not I, too many. <laughs> I, I actually do I do I do I, I see them as um, undecided voters yeah possibly. you know a lot of the time if you have a conversation and you say to them as you said earlier mm. quite rightly you know check my backstory mm. look I'm credible I'm not trying to sell you anything even if I try to sell you something actually I've done it so I mm. could actually genuinely bring yeah. you value you know even if it's just wearing a t-shirt with a psychological yeah. message on it that <laughs> yeah. reminds you every day to kind of go for it yeah. right so but it is interesting I think the um, that the hater side is, is sometimes yeah, you you have fought back. I saw one in particular where yeah. someone did a duet with you and was like, "Who is this guy with his oh, millions yeah. of followers?" Yeah. Oh, it really scares me. You know, like, but you did you did push back, yeah, and well, I liked it. That that particular one, that that guy sells his time for about two hundred pound an hour on a phone call, telling them how to run their business, how to move up the ladder, and this sort of thing. So I, I found it quite. Um, quite funny that he would criticize us for doing something for free and maybe it's the fact that we're doing it for free maybe it's cutting down his customer base i i don't know but he was quite angry wasn't he, he? was but, quite uh, angry but i think we fought it quite well i but. think he did a really good job and and this is what i actually love about even now i mean you've got this huge popularity but you respond to people mm. you actually engage and, and i can tell that's because you enjoy it of course and then that that yeah. that's actually really unique isn't it i think in, mm. in the social media world today i feel a lot of people are just leveraging social media yeah. to make themselves money and more famous yeah. and it's so nice and refreshing to have someone on well there i'm not, not i'm not after any fun and my son will back me up on that it's nothing to do with fame or being recognized in fact you know you can leave that alone i'm, right. I'm after the, the the stories that come back to say you know this has really helped that's what i'm after you know i've made this i've done that i've changed my life that's what i'm after and if that that happens as you say nine times from a video or once it doesn't matter that life has been changed and hopefully everything for the better and makes me happy and were your parents entrepreneurs? Did you, no, did get this definitely from not. No, no. My my father um, worked for um, a uh, electrical connectors company, and um, I, I eventually decided. I saw my dad age actually at a certain point. I think I was about twenty three, something like that. And you don't see your dad age. Your dad's your dad, isn't he? Right? You know, he's you might really old age. Um, but I saw him age, and I, I had a sit down with him. I said, "What's up, dad?" You know, he said, "Well, I'm expecting to do three people's jobs. They've made people redundant." and I'm having to do it I'm carrying the can because I can and it's wearing me down I said well leave your job dad why I said well we'll do another shop and you can run that he went you know what that sounds like a good idea so he quit his job we opened a shop in Ashford and he ran that till the day he retired and absolutely loved every day of working there. What a beautiful story. That's yeah, it's all right, uh, isn't it? I yeah. forget about that. I, don't, I, I think that's actually uh, what you'd call a, a steal, that one, because I don't yeah. think I've used that one. I, I like it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'm cynics. So I can hear the comments already. Oh, cheap labour. <laughs> it definitely wasn't cheap labour. It labor. wasn't cheap labour. <laughs> Definitely and, not. And and for your son today, of course, who who is helping you with all your, your social yeah. media stuff, you know, is, is, uh, is his path entrepreneurship Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, he's, um, well, again, you sit down, you have a discussion, don't you? When he got to the age of going to university, every single one of his peers was going to university, every one of them. Um, and for him not to, the school questioned that quite heavily. Um, but, you know, it's his choice. You know, I want him to be doing something he enjoys. And he, he did YouTube from about, I don't know, probably 12. He used to do his magic tricks on there. I used to be in some of them, riding carts around and all sorts. And, you know, he enjoyed that and you know we looked at it and worked out that if he goes to university to do follow his filming and his video career you know he's going to come out the other end probably a bit beaten up from it you know not really learning very much because he's very talented at what he does and having about fifty thousand pounds of a debt around his neck i mean how, how is that a start for the youth of today i know couldn't agree you know, more. it's no good if you've got to be a doctor or, or or a lawyer or whatever you have to go to university for and you've definitely got opportunities and positions after you've got your degree of course that is the right decision for you but if you haven't 
you know, just because you've got a degree, that don't give you a job. You know, it's just a piece of paper and it's not necessarily worth £50,000. Again, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I wish, and the listeners out there that are at university or think of going to university, it does work for some people, I guess. If you want to be a doctor, Definitely. you want to be a lawyer, maybe yeah. you need these qualifications yeah. as you can't go into these ecosystems. But what you're talking about, I think, is so, you know, if you've got £50,000 to spend on university or you're willing to get into debt, mm. you know, put that into business. You'll learn everything you were going to learn in four years you'll learn in six months absolutely (laughs) and probably in real time is much better than retrospective looking back at for example even business schools to me are are kind of a a con they're behind the curve they are they're giving you what happened in 2000 with the dot com i've sat in i've I've lectured at some of these things and they're telling you what happened in 2000 how this company failed how Mm. that company failed like you say quite often nine out of ten people come out of business school don't start business no it's being you know completely knocked out of them like my Gosh, that's risky. Yeah. Why would I do that? Exactly. And, and so, yeah, I think I think it's a good message, and, and I'm glad we're both trying to uh, drum it home because I, I think for a lot of people, that 40% you mentioned earlier, they can unplug from the matrix and yeah. enjoy their day to day. Go out there and build something, you know, mm. and at least, like you say, uh, build financial freedom by thinking outside the lines. Yeah, as and you I also think mentioned. also you, people shouldn't knock the trades either. I mean, people moan that electrician costs a fortune and a plumber costs a fortune. Well, of course they do. There's very few of them, so they can demand a massive price. Now, those people that really shouldn't be going to university, if they took up some of these trades, they're not going to be doing the trade for long, are they? That may be three years, four years. They're going to be running that company, their own company, with people beneath them because they're intelligent people. You know, don't knock the trades. You can learn a lot. Lot, learn a lot about life and eventually you'll run the business if I was still a carpenter and join and cabinet maker there's no way I'd be probably bashing the stuff together I'd have climbed the ladder I'd be up in the office or designing or coming up with new concepts of designer furniture whatever it happens to be you know don't don't look at just that entry you know a lot of people seem to be ashamed of going down a trade route or even flipping burgers in their in their summer holidays you know it really isn't a bad thing it's learning about life just get out there and action it <laughs> i couldn't agree more and I'm, I'm i know my listeners are probably getting sick of me saying I, I love everything you're saying but it's absolutely true my younger brother for example started out as a glazer yep. just fitting windows yep. <laughs> incredibly hard job i would like to say in december fitting windows no fun at all now owns the largest glazing company in east anglia and you know and he knows what it's like to be those guys out fitting windows and 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 fixing shop windows that are broken on a saturday night you know at three in the morning he's done it he knows Mm. and so he can empathize with his workforce and he can understand the nuances of the industry like no one else can and many people have come along with their big you know um, cash injections (laughs) trying to compete with him and he's won every time because he understands the trade so another great point I I couldn't agree more trade is totally underappreciated and university's done that too because it's kind of like everyone wants to sit in an office looking at a computer you know as if that's going to how much how much job enjoyment is there sitting in an office looking at a computer I've got to say it's got to be zero in it I I couldn't do that it's it's ridiculous and yeah everyone's ramming everyone into those positions so you know university think long and hard that's all I'd say long and hard and if you're still undecided wait a year it makes no difference. Wait a year and learn about life. You know, there's lots to go out there and learn about and then start if you want. If you a- want. Again, the reframing you're putting it, I, I mean, I always try to explain it is, um, you know, you, you could start a business and learn so much and okay you're being £50,000 worth of debt but everybody in the planet would hire you because you'd had that experience of trying you'd hire someone that tried to start their own modeling business or tried to do something online and you know that entrepreneurial spirit yeah. is very hard to find Definitely. because it's been drummed out of people yeah. in university a lot of people have got a degree that's not a differential anymore is it no. and so yeah it's a, it's a really interesting point and I always think it would be interesting shame money always becomes an issue but people came and worked for you if they paid you <laughs> instead of a university they paid you to teach them entrepreneurship yeah. that would be a much better investment in real time than going to a university because often the teachers they've never built a business in their life we, no. we had someone on our podcast show 23 year old yesterday who who basically was told by a teacher don't do entrepreneurship that's very risky mm. i actually think it's the opposite i think getting a job can be risky because you're not necessarily in control of when you get fired and when you get promoted and when you get a salary increase you're not in control of any no, of those you've things got, you've got zero control haven't you and, but there is an age-old saying isn't there those that do do and those that don't, 
teach and that's not to knock teachers because we need teachers without a doubt um but certainly they shouldn't be knocking out entrepreneurial spirit they should be you know patting you on the head and saying oh you never know you know that could be for you you know i see the traits you i mean the teachers see the traits you've got they should be able to see that you've got that little bit in you and they should say well actually you know yeah you're a bit different you could actually be the next Richard Branson. Yeah, well, I'd, lo- I'd love it if teachers listen to that because well, I agree, mm. we need teachers. I have a lot of respect for teachers. I, I know yep. you just said it yourself. But I do think sometimes they step outside of their zone and start giving advice. Like, And, and I, I, there was recently a story in The Sun of a seven-year-old kid who started selling sweets at school and he yeah. got expelled. Yeah. He, he got expelled. That was the How story. How mad is that? It, ridiculous, yeah. When, I mean, I used to wash cars. That was another Saturday job I used to do when I was a kid. One of my um, guys that I used to wash cars for used to work for Mars. And it was brilliant. I used to charge £2 to wash his car. I know that's how much now, but back then that was all right. I then used to wash his wife's car because it was just a mini. It was really small for a pound. And then he used to give me a tip. And a tip was a box, a selection box of Mars, all the different Mars things. I didn't eat one of those, not one. That went to school on Monday morning. I sold every single one out of the box. So... You know, that's entrepreneurial, isn't it? And to knock that out of someone at that age is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, I completely agree. I, I, there's so many areas I wanted to talk to you about. I actually wanted to get into the Amazon thing you've been learning because oh, right. yeah. I'm a bit sceptical about yeah. drop shipping and all these things. So yeah. I, I believe you should build a brand, not a business. And so I'm, I'd love, maybe we have a whole show just talking <laughs> about that stuff that you're learning. And, and I also wanted to ask you, uh, you know, about like TikTok monetization, the impact. And how do you keep up with all the messages? There's just so many areas I'd love to talk to you about. I guess we we'll have mm. to have you back because I know we've, we've got a hard <laughs> stop today. Maybe, yeah. yeah, definitely. But I'll just end with kind of, my favourite question is, if you went back to young Mark and gave some advice, what would it be? Um, invest more. Um, because um, you won't find... If you went and talked to 150-year-olds, you will not find one that said, I wish I'd invested less. And that, that's the real lesson. You've got to start investing early, very, very young. Because, you know, you build a buffer of cash. You may never need to use it. But it's always there, so you're always going to grow. And I think I'd have invested more earlier. I did invest, but I'd have done more, without a doubt. Again, I think we could have you back on the show just talking about what to invest in. Mm. Um, But, Mark, thank you so much for your insight. You're more than welcome. Very much enjoyed. Really (laughs) fantastic. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Good Luck Club podcast. I hope you found Mark's insights useful. If you did... Do me a favour, go follow the small country that already is following him on his social media channels and the links below. Trust me, you join that army, you will learn how to fight. Thanks so much again for listening to us today. We know you have thousands of podcasts that you could be listening to and you decide to listen to ours. We feel incredibly lucky. (laughs) 